Today's episode of The Buffalo Beat is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new into investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to buffalobeat.robinhood.com. That's buffalobeat.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation or of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first off-season edition of the Buffalo Beat here. Thank you for joining us, however you are doing so, whether it's on the Athletic Podcast Network or on any one of the free avenues. Thank you for doing so. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, my co-host, Matthew Fairburn, and the Bills are now into the mode where they are trying to figure out what went right, what went wrong, and then go forward with their off-season decisions, which is always a fun time of year because the possibilities are quite literally endless. And, you know, teams and fans start to get optimistic this time of year, thinking that they're just maybe one piece from in the draft away. And it's always, uh, even though the, um, the Bills season went a lot better this year than in prior years uh the offseason has always been like the uh the one that brings the most joy (laughs) to a lot of bills fans because of how things have kind of gone but now it's a little different because they have a team and a an organization that they're actually building a plan with and this is a a a pretty important piece of those offseason plans to try and things together to push them from uh, plucky underdog into bona fide contender. And so it chronicling the madness will be fun. So Matthew Fairburn, welcome to the off season. It's uh it's going to be a fun ride, I think. Yeah, this will be, this is a different type of off season than, than we've had to deal with in these parts for um, basically since I've been here, probably since you have too. one yeah. where they've, you know, got, a good foundation in place to build on. And there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of buzz about this team in the off season, whether it's maybe that, you know, doesn't happen until the preseason or, or what have you, but there's, there's going to be a different feel about how they go about this. There's a, a stability in place at head coach and general manager, even at quarterback um, more stability than they've had there in quite some time. Uh, and now it's about 
taking that next step. It's a different phase of roster building where, okay, you, you tore down the house, you've, you've laid a foundation and now you need to start kind of maintaining, you know, what you've built and, and continue to build on it. You need to get contracts done with a lot of key guys. You need to add more weapons on offense and, and, you know, make that group, uh, you know, at least, a little bit closer to the defense than it was last year. And you need to figure out a way to keep that defense together and performing at the level that it did in 2019. And then it's going to be about, you know, finding a way to deal with a season, you know, like you said, transitioning from being the underdog, being the playing the card of nobody, nobody believes in us to going out there knowing that that teams are going to be gunning for you. And, you know, they're going to be looking at that 10 win team that made the playoffs and, you know, they're going to want to going to want to get a get a piece of the bills. So this will be this will be a a pretty um, a pretty interesting offseason to follow in terms of we'll learn a lot about, you know, some of their philosophies as they get into re-signing some of their own, as they get into, um, you know, another year of free agency where they have to balance signing their own and also you know, adding guys from the outside. So a lot to follow in the next few months. Yeah. One of the most important parts of the off season too, is basically keeping their entire coaching staff together, which was a, a huge thing. And really the first time that we've seen um, the pills not make any changes themselves, you know, Bill Tierlink, their defensive line coach left uh, to go to Virginia tech to to do the same role, but they replaced him with a former defensive coordinator and a guy that's worked under Sean McDermott before and seemingly what should be a really good hire in Eric Washington. So it, it Brian Dable is back as the offensive coordinator, which is huge. Leslie Frazier is back. And I know some fans are out on the idea of Dable, but uh, you cannot ignore the fact that having your young quarterback in the same system for a third straight year uh, with a guy that knows him both the good and the bad aspects and knows how to game plan with him. I mean, that's, that's an encouraging thing moving forward. So there, there are, I mean, it's all setting up to be on Brandon Bean this, this off season to really help this team make the jump to where they want to go, which is, Probably winning a playoff game and competing for championships. That's that's the end all be all here. And um, you would you would need to think or you would have to think that Josh Allen in that vein should make a bit of a jump next year in his third season, which uh, I don't think is necessarily a uh, an unexpected expectation um, for for fans that it it should be a thing because. At, at the end of the day, it's the reason why they spent all those resources, spent all that time, traded all those pieces to put themselves in a position to be able to move up to go get that guy. And that's how much of an importance they put on it. And now they need to see the results. So what Brandon Bean does this offseason to help support Josh Allen and I don't even mean from an offensive perspective, just in terms of a, a total team effort. Um, it's it's going to be everything to this to this uh, regime and to this team and and what they inevitably do in 2020 and beyond. But I think 
where to start this whole thing is basically where we last left the Bills, which was right after the season ended, the uh, the end of season press conference. Uh, both Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean took their own turn um, talking with the media. Brandon Bean went for just about 40 minutes uh, and discussed a, a bevy of different topics. But I, I, I kind of want to start from very briefly with something that Sean McDermott said, which he made a point to uh, uh, to push out there that he wanted to keep as much of this team together as as they could moving forward. And that means, you know, some of the the free agents that they have or maybe some of the young pieces that they're trying to develop uh, or just improving upon some of the back end of the roster stuff. That's what I think Sean McDermott is trying to get at. And I don't think that puts Brandon Bean in necessarily a tough spot, but it also puts somewhat of an expectation to re-sign his own um, from the head coach on him. So uh, what did you make of those comments for McDermott and and where they're kind of going from here? Yeah, I think it, it makes sense to to send that message out there when you, you feel like you had, you know, and you I feel like you hear this a lot in the NFL of, oh, this is a special group. Well, you know, and everybody knows that those groups aren't going to stay intact as they are year after year, but I'm curious to see how far they take that, that mantra of, you know, keeping as much of it together as possible, because I think it's long, a long-term view of it is, you know, guys like Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano, Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, who are up for new contracts, keeping the key pieces together while recognizing that there is, room to build on you know an upgrade at other spots but the reason you do it the way that they did and you know you can argue about how they did it or 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 all of that but you you tear it down you get rid of guys who don't fit your idea of what um you know a a leader or a locker room presence should be and you go and get your own guys. And if you let those guys walk out the door, then you're kind of, you know, spinning your wheels going back to having to get some of those same guys. So, you know, Milano, Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, uh, Deion Dawkins, all those guys have developed into leaders on this team. And so I think keeping that together, you know, and then, you know, you wonder about some of their free agents, if maybe there's this idea from McDermott that they want to keep really even those guys as well because of how they all played a part in team chemistry. I think Quentin Spain is probably the best free agent, upcoming free agent that they have uh, or most important to retain in terms of what he brought to the team. But from a locker room and chemistry perspective, Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips were two guys that brought a lot of energy uh, to the team. So you can't keep everybody. And I think Mm -hmm. Sean McDermott knows that. And I think uh, Brandon Bean certainly knows that, but sending that message out there, you know, suggests to the guys uh, in the room and the guys that are about to hit free agency or have expiring contracts that, you know, there's something that they're building here and they, 
they believe in what they had that, you know, perhaps, you know, losing in the first round wasn't the expectation, you know, that they could have taken it farther and that all they need to do is tweak it to make uh, a longer run next year. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with, with, what you're laying out but i also think it's slightly dangerous from a roster building perspective because you want to evolve and and of course you you don't want to radically change it from one year to the next that isn't healthy as as a rebuilding team or as an organization but it's also slightly dangerous to just kind of drift into this one singular identity uh, as opposed to trying to actively improve in some areas um and and that that to me is just where i have some slight hesitation with it but in theory i i get where they're coming from and and you know they they should try to retain some of their guys but i think it depends how far they take it too yeah exactly if if you're forcing it like i i'm still of the belief that you let shaq lawson and jordan phillips you know, go test the market. And if they're looking at double digit APYs, then you just, you let them walk. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I I don't, you know, think that, you know, you need to white knuckle this thing and say, oh, this was such a special year. We need to hold on. I mean, it was a special year in some ways because the Bills did things that the Bills haven't done in many years. But when you zoom out and take a a league-wide view it was a 10-win season where you lost in the first round of the playoffs. That's not where you're trying to get to. You're not trying to compare yourself to the Bills teams that were dreadful for 17, 18 years. You're trying to get to a point where you're playing games, you know, this weekend coming up, Championship right. Sunday. You're trying to get to a point where you're making runs in the playoffs. And they were you know, capable of winning a playoff game, probably should have won a playoff game, um, you know, down in Houston, but you still want to get to a point where you're, you're winning those games. You're, Mm -hmm. you're finishing off those games and, and maybe not just winning one playoff game, winning a couple. I mean, the, the Tennessee Titans are playing in the AFC championship game. The bills beat that team, albeit without Ryan Tannehill, but that's how you know thin the margin of error is at times in the league, and the difference between you know making the playoffs and and getting to the title game can be getting hot at the right time and having the right pieces in place. So you should, like you said, be looking to evolve and sure keep your core together, uh, keep yeah. some of the guys together. But if you're forcing it, if you're overpaying guys, then you're right. in a spot where you're you're really hamstringing yourself from being able to be aggressive in the off season, even look at green Bay, another team that's, that's playing this weekend and some of the aggressive moves they made in free agency that allowed them to get to this weekend. So, uh, you know, they're not where they are without some of those defensive free agents that they added. So in that respect, you know, I think you, you have to be measured in how you do that. And it was a press conference right after the season everything's pretty fresh you're still mm-hmm. you know feeling the the almost the immediate nostalgia i guess of the uh, of the season you know gone by but you're right you can't take it you, you can't be so glued to that idea that you're not willing to add some some talent in fact at this point you should probably be willing to add guys that aren't the perfect 
process guy, the, the perfect, you know, locker room guy necessarily and trust that you have a foundation in place right. where you can handle a guy like that. Yeah, that's that that's what I was trying to get at. The the danger of it is in just continuing to think exactly what you have, maybe with a draft pick or a free agent or two, will continue to get there. But the the cold-hearted nature of the business is that it can't be the same way every single year because guys get older, guys get decline, have declining ability. Let's let's not forget that Jerry Hughes will be 32 next year, and he's still technically well, he's still their best pass rusher right now, even. If Shaq Lawson resigns, um, John Brown and Cole Beasley will both be in their 30s before the the year begins. You know the offensive line has definitely taken steps forward, but they still have plenty of questions moving forward about you know because now that this John Feliciano um, torn rotator cuff might fly into um, some spring workouts and maybe put him him into some question then you've got the quentin spain thing so it's and those guys are still getting up there in age themselves so it's it's not as though you can just go okay let's just replicate it and and bring everybody back you have to continue to evolve and and bring in fresh blood and and sense those moments and be able to make moves before those moments get to you so that way you're not caught with your pants down and and thinking to yourself oh crap what the hell do we do now um so so that's that's the danger of the offseason but moving forward i think the four free agents that are the the big four free agents that the bills have coming due um, uh, that being Spain, who we talked about, Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips, Kevin Johnson, I'll throw in there, seeing as how he, as he started and played some significant reps for them. Uh, and then they've got some cursory ones like Julian Stanford and uh, Sonoris Perry, Dean Marlowe. Those are those are three unrestricted guys that uh, that you know the the Bills might want to consider re-signing. But we'll keep it to the. The, the core guys and I know we we um on one of the subscriber pods we discussed the idea of retaining whether or not we would want if we were in charge we would want to retain Lawson or Phillips um I think we we both kind of shied away from it then I am still in camp see ya Jordan Phillips um because uh, I don't know the way that that he he seems to be chattering on Twitter and the way that uh, he's I don't know in it well, I'm just gonna say it overvaluing his his sack statistic um, getting nine and a half is an accomplishment but what did he do the rest of the time that needs to be considered um, the way that he's kind of looking at it and even saying in a response to. <laughs> Uh, a Buffalo Rumblings post saying top three DT easy, and I go, oh boy, uh, yeah, uh, I think I think he's got some uh, inflated expectations heading to the market, or at least it, it, it I perceive it that way. If it if that's wrong, I'm I apologize, but uh, it it certainly does not seem conducive to the Bills retaining him before free agency were to begin. Well, he's also got pretty powerful agents who aren't going to you know, settle for anything less than um, they can get, basically. And I, Jordan Phillips is 
well within his rights to go for that. Uh, you yeah, know, he, absolutely. He hasn't had the long-term big money contract yet in his career. He's basically been on the, you know, he's been on his rookie deal and then this one year deal and, you know, talking to him at the end of the season, he said he felt like he feels like he's been on those one year prove it deals for the last three or four years. And I think when you get to that point where you can get, you know, even marginally better money elsewhere, I think you you have to take it if you're Jordan Phillips. I don't think you take a hometown discount uh, to play somewhere. And I know that he, he likes it here and he liked it better than he thought he would, but he doesn't have a long history here or, or significant ties to, to the, the area or the team. And if, you know, other guys are going to be, you know, there's so much turnover in the NFL that you can't sit there and say, oh, I'm going to go back and, and play with my guys and, and sign, you know, a cheaper long-term deal. Well, then what happens in a year or two when, all those guys that you played with outside of Ed Oliver are gone. You know what? You know, if Jerry Hughes, uh, when his deal comes up is gone or star Latulale or Shaq Lawson is most likely gone, uh, this off season if they don't come to an agreement. So I think he, and Brandon Bean mentioned this at the end of the season that Jordan Phillips has earned the right to test the market. Yeah. I found that really interesting. He said that about him and just like seconds before that, uh, when Lawson came up, he's like, you know, he, he really, he really came out. He, he could have went and sulked after we declined the fifth year option, but we'll obviously talk to his representatives. And right after he said that, he's like with Jordan, well, he's earned the right to test the market. So it was two clearly different, uh, ways of thinking there for Bean. Yeah, it's a, it's interest. They're two different cases, two similar cases, but different in that Shaq Lawson. I mean, here's the thing with Shaq Lawson. Yes, there, there's a certain psychological team, you know, building chemistry type of thing at play with Shaq Lawson that I don't think is necessarily there with Jordan Phillips because you weren't the ones that gave up on Jordan Phillips. You, you know. It's, claimed him on waivers and, you know, didn't really need to push his buttons. Those were pushed by another organization and and he was externally motivated, you know, by what the Dolphins did to him. Shaq Lawson, you've been pushing his buttons. You know, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, basically from the day they got here, have been calling him. He's one of the few players that they've publicly called out. Mm-hmm. And Shaq Lawson has responded at every turn the way they would want him to. Now, on one hand, that tells me, okay, this guy needs his buttons pushed to for you to get the most out of him. And if you hand him big money, I don't know that you're getting that. You know, he had his his career year and his contract year. That is the oldest red flag in the book, you know, in any sport. And the uh, you know he had a pretty good year the year before but they were consistently calling him out they signed Trent Murphy knowing that they needed you know some insurance in case Shaq Lawson didn't pan out the way they want him to and the other part of it is even in his career year it's not as if he morphed into an an elite dominant edge rusher you know he's still not a high end pass rusher the way you would want a big money guy like that to be. Now, the reason I say there's a, a bit of a team building chemistry aspect at play is 
Brandon Bean is very conscious of who he gives money to and how everybody else in the locker room will respond to that. This could be a case where you could point to and say, yeah, we'll, we'll occasionally call you out and we might not always, you know, give you the playing time that you haven't earned. But if you go out there and, and you respond to our coaching and respond to what we want you to do, you'll get rewarded for it. Is that is having that message worth possibly overpaying Shaq Lawson and maybe not getting the return on the other end? Because that message all of a sudden would ring pretty hollow if Shaq Lawson doesn't go out and earn it uh, after he's he's gotten paid. So it, it, that's a little bit more of a delicate case, but I still would be worried about, about paying a guy who had a big spike in the level of play when he could see, you know, the carrot at the end of the stick, when he could know that free agency was, was right around the corner and that the big payday was coming. Are you going to get the same thing when he gets paid? I don't know. See, I mean, I, it's I would hard be to say. more. I would. I would be more worried about that with Jordan Phillips than I would with Shaq Lawson. And I. And I absolutely agree that there should be some concern with it with with Shaq Lawson, but with Phillips, I just. I feel like this year was a complete anomaly for him, and he's trying to cash in as he as he should try to. And um, honestly, I think the if if I can just go back to the Phillips decision one one second. The if they were to retain Phillips just for wanting to keep the band back together and 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 keep it going for another year, I think that is the dangerous type of decision that I'm talking about. Doing so for guys that maybe don't deserve that payday. And I Phillips had a lot of sacks this year, made some big plays, but from watching him all season, he was just. He was slightly above average. That's that's what he was. And I don't think that is having a statistic that is basically outdated with how we measure players this day and these days anyway. Um, I don't think that statistic should determine him getting a tremendous bump up in pay. And I, I think there was even one fan that that uh, tweeted and said, hey, why, why don't they use the transition t- tag for Jordan Phillips? I mean, that putting him at his expectations of getting at least like around 12 million for the year, which is basically tripling his salary. That is a dangerous thing to do with your cap and trying to figure out where you're going from here. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of in the, just let Phillips test free agency and, and likely watch him walk away because you still have Ed Oliver there and Ed Oliver was better than him this past year. But anyway, Shaq Lawson, I think what makes him another Another facet of him that makes it interesting is how he's kind of grown into being a go-to guy in the locker room. And not not in terms of media, but like the the guys in that locker room from, you know, just from talking to people around the organization, they they love Shaq Lawson in there. I mean, he's He's loud. You often hear him in the background of interviews, just screaming his head off. But he's usually making his teammates laugh. There's like a, there's like a very much a um, keeping it loose sort of mechanism in the locker room from his perspective. But also, I, I found this interesting in in the week of the playoffs, the first practice of the week, which was Tuesday. Uh, 
what happens after they go through stretching and they and they before they go into individual they they all come together and huddle up and usually one player takes the time to to deliver a message and then they go off on their merry way and do their work and the tuesday ahead of the playoff game their first practice of the week it was Shaq lawson and not not to say he's like this overarching leader or anything like that but going along with what you said the the trying to or being conscious of who they pay and after what type of situation that player had gone through and I think it it's also helped by the fact that Lawson's career year wasn't all that great I think what do you, what do you have six and a half sacks so it's not as though he's going to absolutely break the bank I mean if you sign him to maybe a similar contract to what you gave Trent Murphy, then that I think is, is a, a, a point in which you go, okay, you can live with that because you know what you're getting out of Shaq Lawson. You hope you know what you're getting out of Shaq Lawson. He's still only 25 years old, trying to figure it out from there. He means a lot to the guys in the locker room. It would send a message through the locker room. It, it, it builds a very intriguing case in Lawson's favor. Yeah, I think so. I, I'd be, at a Trent Murphy deal, you're you're having a different conversation than at yeah. you know a, a bigger number. And if he gets eight is, mil a year, it's fine. Yeah, the question is, if it hits double digits, is it worth it? And, no, I don't think it is. And and I've all along sort of operated under that premise, just because that's sort of the the cutoff for me. Is if it gets over that, I think you let him you let him go get his money if he can get a better deal elsewhere and. Every team is so much different. Every, you know, year to year, things are going to turn over so much. I feel like we'll see Ed Oliver develop into, you know, more of that guy that that Shaq Lawson was at at times in terms of leadership. And, uh, you know, new guys always need to step up. I guess the question you have to ask yourself is if you're Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and the rest of the organization is, did what we, you know, the is is he fully bought into what we're doing and has he fundamentally changed as in terms of how he operates and how he goes about his business or was he or was he going for a payday uh, and and I'm not saying that to you know as an indictment on Shaq Lawson that's what this game is that, that there's uh numbers out there the history shows that it's not just Guys like, you know, it's not just Shaq Lawson. There's a lot of guys who, when they sign that second contract at a certain number, uh, you're just, your production goes down. Part of that is that, you know, those guys are older players who are going to decline uh, anyways. Uh, and Shaq Lawson isn't isn't old at this point, but it's something you have to be weary of is, you know, can mm-hmm. you get a guy at uh, 22 overall who's going to bring the same on-field production as as Shaq Lawson maybe uh can you find a guy in free agency that and a draft pick and and use that combination to get what you got out of Murphy and Lawson Uh, maybe I I mean so like you said his career year wasn't such that he you know had these crazy high sack numbers or was a a dominant pass rusher so uh, I think as they get a little bit more removed from the season and try to look at it outside of the you know, all the emotions of the end of the year. And when Shaq Lawson and his representatives get together and start talking numbers, 
we'll, we'll have a better idea of, yeah. of whether this thing can can work. I think uh, the the only other thing that would play that would help in this situation is the fact that Jerry Hughes will be 32 next year. And if you sign Shaq Lawson to a multi-year deal, that gives you at least a baseline of someone that you know you can trust at as a potential starting defensive end or at the very least a rotational piece um, moving forward because they're, they're going to address defensive end in the draft at some point, whether it be this year or next year and probably early. Um, but having Lawson there, especially with the expiring contract of Murphy, the potential declining of ability of Hughes now that he's entering into what should be the twilight of his career uh, based on historical studies of when guys decline. Uh, it, it at least gives you that landing pad. And, um, and, and yeah, so while it wouldn't be ideal and maybe you can find someone at 22 overall that gives you just as much or more, the hope would be more than Jack Lawson, but, uh, but it, it might even just be, signing Shaq Lawson and then drafting someone at 22 to play in combination with one another when your guys or when Hughes moves on, when Murphy moves on, if they don't move Murphy on this offseason, that is, and and then kind of uh, operating from there and just kind of keeping it moving forward. Um, so, yeah, there's there's plenty of ways to look about this Shaq thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking at numbers and, you know, Jerry Hughes comes in at an average of ten point seven five million a year. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it can play. You know, I don't know that you can justify paying Shaq Lawson that same number. You know, no, you or can't. or really anything close to it. And then you look below that. You start with Trent Murphy's seven and a half million a year. Miles Garrett's at 7.6, but he's on his rookie deal. Right. Uh, Farrell's on his rookie deal at 7.8. Robert Quinn uh, was on a, an $8 million uh, deal. Uh, Nick Bosa on his rookie deal. Jabal Sheard uh, at $8.5 million. And then Ziggy Ansah, $9 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as he goes to market, is he even worth what, what Ziggy Ansah was worth? He's younger, but Ansah had, you know, and Ansah had an injury. But he was also a, a more productive player, so it's an interesting case. It, the market might not be as strong yeah. as I think. All these guys tend to think the market's going to be a little stronger than it is. And in most cases, there's the rare case when a, a Stephon Gilmore hits the market, uh, or a Demarcus Lawrence, or you know Frank Clark, Trey Flowers. These guys that are coming up, where you know the market's going to be nuts, but a lot of these guys on the other tier, you know, tend to think it's going to be, you know, better than it is. And uh, when you look at, you know, some comparable guys right now, it's hard to to see him getting ten million. The guys that have ten plus million, there's a lot of them, but they're really good, proven pass rushers. You have to have yeah. the the pass rushing to go with the run defense. I mean. Maybe the one example you can look at as saying if that guy's worth ten plus million, maybe Shaq Lawson is is Dante Fowler uh, mm-hmm. at twelve. But he's got more he's, juice than Lawson does. 
he has more juice than Lawson. He was a higher draft pick. Uh, he's got more production and even, you know, I, I don't know that he's, maybe he's overpaid at 12 million, but it was a short term deal. Uh, but all the other guys, it's like cl- clear as day why they're getting that money. Uh, and that Shaq Lawson is just not in that tier. So yeah, he's, he's classic case middle tier. There's, yeah. there's no way around it. And, and even like John Brown last year, middle tier. If you look at his contract, he's middle tier contract. And, and he, he is probably, he outperformed that contract, especially earlier in the year. But the market, I mean, that's a potential weakness on the market for the Bills to exploit. And they talk about that stuff all the time to where, yeah, it's it's the more you analyze it and the more you look at the case, the more it seems like the Bills should be able to get him on a on a pretty respectable number, um, at least if if they want to. And you would anticipate that, that they want to for how much he means to them. Um, all right. We, we brought up Quentin Spain and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, a uh, message from our sponsor, Calm. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. And if you head to calm.com slash Buffalo, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash Buffalo. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash Buffalo. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash Buffalo. That's calm.com slash Buffalo. All right, to Quentin Spain we go because that's this is the other big one. Um, and Kevin Johnson, I think if they could get into a short-term deal, uh, they, they, they should do it um, because, you know, depth at corner, never a bad thing. And, and he played fairly well for them. But Quentin Spain, I think, is is an interesting case in itself because it's also a test into their roster building ideology and their thoughts on positions in football in addition to that because Quentin Spain I mean let, let's let's remember how last offseason went Spencer Long was released from his contract so they signed him in February just as a as a piece to add to the puzzle. Then when free agency started, they signed Mitch Morse and John Feliciano within the first week. Quentin Spain did not sign with the Bills until the first week of April, which goes to show that Spain was probably expecting a better market than he got. The Bills saw an opportunity there, offered him a one-year prove-it deal. He took it. Ends up starting uh, for the Bills, plays all but five snaps the entire season, and uh, and has a pretty solid year. But the trouble with Quentin Spain, and this is the pro and con, because while a good run blocker and you know slightly above average pass blocker, he is also locked in to left guard. 
there is no versatility with him whatsoever, which is why at the end of the season, when the Bills were able to rest a lot of their offensive linemen, Quentin Spain was the only player that that went the whole way um, of the of the starting five. And it and it I wonder if that was maybe a statement of the lack of versatility and perhaps how they view him um, and what maybe they'll do moving forward. Because if they went out and they signed Quentin Spain in the first week of April and he comes in and has a pretty solid season for them, what kind of what what uh, what would it be saying for them to go, OK, well, we have to hang on to this guy. There's no way we can replace this guy when he quite literally they replaced him well after free agency started. So I wonder I just wonder where the bills might be with with that Quentin Spain conversation. And uh, I, I, I kind of found Bean's comments about um, Spain to be closer than the Jordan Phillips variety than than the Shaq Lawson variety from that season ending presser. What about you? Yeah, I mean, Quentin Spain had said previously that, you know, he wanted to be back and that he would tell his agent that and uh, all that. But, I mean, that's what you say at the end of the season when, you know, you had a good year and uh, you like the guys you're playing with. Unless you're Robert Woods. (laughs) Unless you're Robert Woods. Well, yeah, exactly. When when you have a good year and when you like the guys you're playing with. I don't know that either of those were true of of Robert (laughs) Woods at the time. Exactly. But he's also 29. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps his last chance to cash in on on the year that he had. Question will be, what will the market look like? How how badly does he want to be back? Is he going to try to get something done for free agency? Did last year perhaps scare him off from the whole test the market thing uh, because he saw how long you can wait around? I don't know. I I think he's a good player worth bringing back because you don't want to create holes, more holes than you already have. And that's sort of what you would do unless, you know, they, they need to draft and get younger there anyways. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a question of, you know, yeah, there's not a lot of guards that are making a tremendous amount of money. Um, You know, uh, there's, you know, the top tier that makes 10 plus a year, but a lot of the other guys are in that, you know, three to seven range. And, and Quentin Spain is down near the bottom at making, you know, 2 million a year outside of guys uh, on rookie contracts that, that, you know, that are below that. But um, I, I'm not sure how much he's going to command necessarily and how much, um, and he probably knows given his lack of versatility and his age that, and what happened last season that, you know, hitting free agency sometimes isn't all it's made out to be because sometimes you wait around a while. So I think if they can get a, a good deal on him, they'll they'll pull the trigger because they've got the room to keep him. And the more pieces they can keep on that offensive line, the better off they are because I don't think they want to be having to overhaul that too much again after what they did last offseason not to say you run it back with the same group mm-hmm. but i think you're better off building on what you have and having that depth it, it paid off for them this year you know at multiple times uh having that depth was was important but i think it probably you know opens the door for the conversation of 
you know, is Cody Ford capable of playing guard? Right. Because if he is, then maybe you feel that you don't need Quentin Spain as badly. So it will, that'll be the, the domino that sets forth a lot of what happens with the O-line this offseason. Yeah, nail on the head. That um, Cody Ford will be the ultimate deciding factor on Quentin Spain because the one thing we know is that the Bills want Cody Ford to be a part of their starting offensive line moving forward. They like him. They they like what he's done. Um, you know, Brandon Bean was very careful to build him up um, in his answer about him when asked specifically about whether or not he he's playing he's going to play tackle or guard. It's a build up that uh, the Bills did not give to Deion Dawkins last offseason if if we can remember uh, right right after the year it, it, there was just an overall non-committal um answer to Deion Dawkins as to whether or not he would be playing tackle or guard for them moving forward or or moving over to right tackle uh you know just being locked into left tackle was was the question and it it wasn't nearly as uh inflating as the Cody Ford thing because they they wanted to be sure to make the message clear to Cody Ford that regardless of where we play you we believe in you and but he also left the door open to to moving inside to guard um I I just I wonder about this and they also have another chip in in uh in play here where they can um they can opt out of Spencer Long's contract so maybe you take the money from Spencer Long's deal uh, put it to Quentin Spain's and not necessarily guarantee that Quentin Spain is going to be your starter next year. Maybe Cody Ford walks in there and he becomes the starting at right, starter at right guard. John Feliciano moves over to left guard where he started before, seeing as how <laughs> they have prioritized Feliciano over Spain basically at every turn since since the two guys became a member of the organization. And then have Spain be your primary backup moving forward. But then again, if you're if you're signing him to a long term deal, then then or a, a somewhat lucrative contract, then why would you be sitting him um, for a rookie? And what was the point in signing him in the first place? So there there are plenty of different ways to kind of analyze this. But the biggest chip here is Cody Ford. And if the Bills do not resign Quentin Spain, I think Cody Ford has a big reason to do with that. And if he if they wind up moving him inside to guard, that's that, you know, maybe the the Spain decision will be the first sign that they're going to do so. I mean, the the biggest sign will be if the draft comes along and and they end up drafting a young developmental tackle at some point in the third or fourth round, something along those lines and and trying to figure it out there. But they uh they they're still trying to realize what he is and be very um cautious with it because they know he they they they're in a spot with him where they need to continue to build him up and because they need him to be totally committed to whatever they decide with him and so it's uh that is a big big piece to the puzzle as as they move forward in the offseason yeah, Ty Inseki isn't a young man. Uh, he they he came to the Bills with with some some age to him, some some tread on his tires, albeit not all of it in the you know NFL. And so 
that position is not really set in stone the way you'd probably like it to be. And they have to decide, you know, I think like I've, I've said, you know, going back to training camp last year, it's certainly not a bad thing to have Cody Ford playing more than one position. The fact that he can do it, I think is, is definitely an asset to them. Mm -hmm. And, but in the interest of having the best possible O-line that you want to have in 2020, you have to identify early where you want him to be. And particularly if it's guard, uh, Mm -hmm. because that's going to take a little bit of getting used to after spending so much time at right tackle. I know he's cross trained a bit and he's capable of doing it, but you'd want to get that, in place sooner rather than later so that guys that play next to him are used to, you know, having him there and, you know, the overall uh, chemistry of the unit is, is intact. So I think it'll be an interesting, interesting case, you know, especially, you know, he, he's one of the players who had off season surgery uh, on his shoulder. So, you know, we'll see how long that impacts him, but, you know, he, he's a guy that he, he wasn't perfect as a rookie and Mm-mm. not all offensive linemen are as rookies, but that makes him a, an interesting, you know, sort of pivot point on that offensive line in terms of a lot can can change depending on where they decide to put him. I think what would surprise me with him is if they are stubborn about him playing offensive tackle. And, you know, not to say that, I know everything there is to know about offensive line play because I don't. And you still learn every single year and and you're trying to figure out technique and, and, and traits and what works best to, to uh, be able to do well in the NFL. But I'll tell you one thing that does not usually play well for offensive tackles though in the NFL, that is those that are a little slow, slow and heavy footed. And that is what Cody Ford was too often in the year. And it started really early on. It continued throughout the year. It's it 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 looks very much looks like someone that's a that's a guard that is kicked outside playing tackle. And I know that um, and for the most part, not for the most part, basically since Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have gotten to buffalo if there has been something that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb that goes against common football sense they usually fix it whether it be ramon humber starting over matt milano for a little bit of time that he did um or you know jack lawson getting markedly less snaps markedly fewer snaps than um than Trent Murphy, which they fixed by the by the time the end of the the season came around, to where over the last like six weeks of the season in the playoff game, uh, Lawson was getting sixty percent, Murphy had sixty three, and uh, I think Hughes was at seventy for those games. If usually they're good with spotting those deficiencies and and making a counter move to put their players in the best spot for success. And I just don't know. I don't know if it would be forcing it with Cody Ford to continue to trot him out of out there at tackle 
just based out of necessity. You're now in in the point in time of the building structure where you don't have to force issues out of necessity because you can fix those issues. So, I mean, we're all watching the same film. We all see that Cody Ford is struggling a little bit with the, with his feet and with speed to the edge. And that's been basically the, the, uh, the biggest struggle he's had. And the one way to take that away and make that a non-issue is to not have him be on the outside where he can contain bigger players. And when he was going up against bigger defensive ends and defensive tackles, he looked really good. So I just, it, it would be, it would be a, a medium surprise to me. If uh, they were just so hell bent on him playing tackle that uh, they don't they don't consider moving him inside, it it just it just seems like too much common sense. But then again, if he comes out and performs lights out at offensive tackle or much better than he did last year, then they'll be like, okay, told you so, and and I'll I'll accept that. But just based on what we saw as a rookie, there there weren't a lot of signs of improvement in that area, and that was a little worrisome. Um, and it should be a little bit worrisome for them as they move forward with him as a starter. I think they're holding out hope as long as possible, given that he's more valuable valuable to them as a top end right tackle than he is as a top end guard. But they're going to have to figure it out sooner rather than later. It needs to be figured of, out now <laughs> because they need to. They need to plan the rest of the offensive line, and they need to know what they they have in this guy. So uh, we'll see what happens. I think a lot of it will depend on you know how things shake out in the draft. They won't really have to make a decision necessarily. They got to make a decision on Quentin Spain, and mm-hmm. those two are tied together. But there's all of a sudden a little bit of flux with this offensive line. Will Quentin Spain come back or not? Uh, how long is John Feliciano going to be out and, and is he going to be ready to roll when training camp comes around? And then what happens with, you know, Cody Ford and thus, you know, Ty and Secchi, because I think that's the the bigger point there is that, you know, if you keep Cody Ford at guard, you're probably still splitting the snaps, right? Because Inseki's pretty good. So um, you mean a tackle? You know, yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. If they keep him at tackle, then you're probably still splitting snaps with Inseki because he's good. You don't want to keep him off the field. Right. So, right. yeah, a lot of questions for them to answer on a group that was much better than it was in 2018, but still not where it needs to be heading into 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. All right. Well, this has been a good jumping off point for the rest of the offseason. We'll, we'll be sure to go into some very great detail for a lot of these positions offense defense all that good stuff and um senior bowl is right around the corner uh the combine is a little over a month away owners meetings are a little over two months away so there's uh there's plenty of off-season events to kind of get us through the off-season and and really to figure out what the bills will do and how they'll shape their team as we kind of move forward. But um, if you haven't yet, be sure to take a look at everything we've got going on over at uh, the Bills page over at The Athletic. Um, Matthew Fairburn put together a nice synopsis of uh, of the offseason, basically a jumping off point for all of the decisions they have to make, where they are in the draft, the cap room that they have, all of that good stuff, uh, and also detailed a lot of the uh, 
the wide receivers that the Bills could potentially be looking at in the draft if they were to be looking for that. And then uh, I, I detailed the cases of the four free agents, some of which we talked about today on the podcast, Spain, uh, Lawson, Phillips, and uh, Kevin Johnson, in addition to some other names. And uh, you can find that over there. And I started off my uh, my year in review positional series, which kind of takes a look at each position um, and with individualized scouting reports on each guy and uh, and figuring out what uh, what the team should do at each position. Wide receiver is up right now over at the athletic.com slash Buffalo. So if you wanted to jump in and you're not a subscriber, by all means, head to the athletic.com slash the Buffalo beat you can get 40% off your yearly subscription. So go ahead and and do that and be merry and find all the uh, the off-season stuff if you are so inclined. All right, Matthew Fairburn, thank you thank you much, my friend. Yeah, let's uh, let's charge forward with enthusiasm unknown to mankind as we head into this off-season. <laughs> wow. Uh, I I know I caught you off guard, off guard there, but that is impressive that you just had that. I at, usually at don't have a sign off, but uh, I got to bring it. <laughs> That's a go-to. Uh, <laughs> that was exquisite. All right. So for Matthew Fairburn and his sign-off, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you next week. See you then.